the banking crisis is fading into the distance, the Fed is beginning to withdraw liquidity, and portfolio managers are gunning stocks to the moon. I'm Graham Summers, and this is Bulls, Bears, and BS. Welcome back to Bulls, Bears, and BS. I'm Graham Summers, Chief Market Strategist for Phoenix Capital Research. The quarter has ended, and what a quarter it was. We saw stocks post some of their best gains in years. The S&P 500 finished the quarter up 7%. The NASDAQ finished up 16%. It's very tempting to look at all of this and say the bottom's in. Stocks must have bottomed in October. Everything's fixed, and we're all back to happy days again. But if we look at this thing in the big picture, what's really happened in the last little bit of time? Well, in the last little bit of time, sure, stocks are up since October, but they haven't really done anything in the last nine months. What we've seen is the markets trading in a very large range. For the S&P 500, it's between 4,200 and 3,600. For the NASDAQ, it's between 13,000 and 10,200. So we really are seeing a lot of chopping back and forth. Things are range-bound. We're not really getting much of a trend. If you're playing the ranges as a trader, you've done pretty well, but a long-term buy-and-hold investor hasn't made money at all in the last 12 months, and certainly not in the last nine. They've made money, sure, this quarter, which is just three months, and they've made money in the last five months since October, but going back to August, going back to earlier than there, they haven't really made any money whatsoever. Not trying to be a downer on this thing, just trying to provide a little bit of historic perspective. And indeed, this perspective is necessary because we have to remember what is going on in the big picture. Why are stocks rallying right now? And why is everything looking so great when in reality it isn't? Fundamentally, there are two things playing out right now. One of them is that the bubble never really truly deflated. When a bubble ends, And when you finally get a real crater and a real bottom, there's usually total pessimism and despair. You don't have people panic buying back into crummy companies and meme stocks and things because they're desperate that they're going to miss the turn. That kind of frothing at the mouth willingness to buy is not the hallmark of the bottom of a bear market. It's more the hallmark of the beginning of a bear market rally. And the reason why everyone's been panic buying things is the second thing that we need to discuss, which is the Fed opened the liquidity spigots once again. The Fed has been shrinking its balance sheet since October, since June of last year, and it's been raising rates since March of last year. Throughout that time, the Fed's raised rates, I believe, by 4.5%. It might be 4.75 at this point, and they've drained something like $500 billion in liquidity from the system. They undid much of that drain in the last three, four weeks with the banking crisis. As I've talked before, the Fed's provided something like $400 billion in liquidity since Silicon Valley Bank went down. Now, there's a big debate going on in the financial media and on Twitter about is this stuff the Fed's doing quantitative easing or is it not? It is actually both quantitative easing in a way and it's also not quantitative easing. Some of the money that the Fed's provided, I believe it's $150 billion worth, 
is in the form of loans. So while this is liquidity, it's money that needs to be paid back. The rest could basically qualify as some version of quantitative easing or pure liquidity because the Fed's just been providing money via credit facilities. This isn't loans. This isn't money that needs to be paid back. It's a handout from the Fed. Regardless, the key point here is that the Fed has put a lot of money into the system in the last month. And that's the reason why gold caught a bid that very week. It's why stocks caught a bid that very week. And it's why inflation expectations have been turning back up again. The Fed opened the liquidity spigot and undid something like nine months worth of quantitative tightening in the span of about three to four weeks. Throw in the fact that everybody still doesn't believe the Fed's serious about tackling inflation and everybody believes the Fed's going to pause very shortly and that that's going to ignite some kind of new bull market. And you've got people panic buying stocks on hopes that since the Fed is once again providing liquidity, the bottom is in and the turn is here and the Fed's going to start pausing its monetary tightening. This will be the third such move we've had since this bear market began. The first one was in August of last year when Fed Chair Jerome Powell stated that the Fed was in the ballpark of neutral rates or restrictive territory, meaning that the Fed was likely almost done with monetary tightening and we had the stock market explode higher. The next one occurred in January to February when Fed Chair Powell started saying that we're seeing disinflation, which again everyone took to mean that inflation had been tackled and the bottom was in. And now we've got the current situation, which is that a banking crisis resulted in the Fed panicking and providing $400 billion in liquidity to the system. Now, that particular issue seems to be ending. If somebody posted earlier today on Twitter, the number of Google searches for the word banking runs are withdrawing funds from my bank, and that's rolled over dramatically, implying people are less concerned. Also, the Fed's balance sheet rolled over last week, implying that banks are in need of less liquidity and that things are calming down a bit. Does this mean that the macro situation has been fixed for banks? Not in the slightest. Banks are still paying next to nothing on deposits, and money's still fleeing banks to go into money market accounts and short-term treasuries where it can earn 3% or more. So the banks are still seeing a lot of money leave in the form of deposit flight, and that puts pressure on them because for every dollar that leaves in deposit, they have to unload 5 7 maybe even $10 worth of loans or long-term duration assets. I would also point out that the regional banking ETF remains down near the lows. Investors don't believe that the regional banking system is sound or that somehow things are going to go back to the good old days again. There's still a lot of problems here. The acute crisis-type situation seems to be fading into the distance, which in of itself is pretty shocking if you think about it, but it's somewhat reminiscent of 2008, when Bear Stearns had to be forced into a shotgun marriage with J.P. Morgan, courtesy of the Fed backstop, and we had a nice summer rally before the bottom fell out. Something very similar here, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, which represent the second and third largest bank failures in the history of the United States, go down, and everybody buys into stocks again in hopes of a summer rally, thinking that somehow things have gotten better. However, nothing fundamentally has been fixed from a macro perspective. A banking crisis seems to be fading into the distance, which in turn means the Fed can stop providing as much liquidity, which in turn means the Fed needs to go back to focusing on inflation, which suggests the Fed will be hiking rates more and its rates are going to be higher for longer. None of this is really positive for stocks, and the only thing probably holding this whole thing together is the fact that we haven't just cratered into a full-scale recession yet. 
The U.S. consumer has entered into what I'm calling a two-tier economy. The top 10% who own financial assets, or maybe even as much as the top 30% that own financial assets, are experiencing quite a bit of excess capital courtesy of the fact rates are so much higher now. These people can park their capital in short-term T-bills or in money markets accounts and earn 3%, 4%, almost even 5%. If you got a million dollars, you're now earning 30, 40, 50,000 a year in excess cash. That's a pretty sweet deal and that's money you didn't have to work to make. So this is a, providing us with this two-tier economy in the sense that those who have a lot of money are benefiting from rates which are allowing them to have extra money to spend without extra work. This is why we're seeing things where stocks like Louis Vuitton are through the roof, but the retail ETF is down. Or say Ferrari's through the roof, but Ford is down. This is a two-tier economy. If you have a lot of excess capital, you're sitting on excess savings, you're able to put your money into T-bills and earn 3 4 5% a year, that's a lot more money for you to spend that you didn't have to work for, and it's not like you needed the money in the first place. For those who are in the bottom 70% of this economy, the raise in rates has been very different. These are the people who need to rely on debt to maintain their cost of living, and that's why higher rates is actually very painful for them. For these people, every inch higher in rates means that they're having to pay more in credit card payments, car payments, and other things. And so again, it's a two-tier economy. The, the people who have a lot of money are doing great. That's why we're seeing blowout results for Ferrari. That's why we're seeing blowout results for companies like Hennessy, Louis Vuitton. But meanwhile, everyone beneath that group is not experiencing quite such a heyday. The stimulus money is all run out. And the reality is that inflation is biting into these people's incomes in a very dramatic way. So again, this is a two-tier economy. It's actually very tragic. It's a worsening of trends we've seen over the last 30 years, and unfortunately, all of it can be laid at the Fed's feet. They're the ones creating the situation. So going forward, what's going to happen here? Well, we have to keep our eye on stocks because last week was a very peculiar week. Fund managers have to report the results at the end of every month as well as the end of every quarter. And March represents obviously not just a month, but it's the end of the first quarter for 2023. And the onus is really on fund managers to produce some stellar results. Remember, most everybody got their heads smashed in by the markets last year, where stocks finished down 20% and treasuries had their worst year in history, with the long end losing something like 30%. So everyone's desperate to try and put in some better results to convince their investors to stick with them. And as a result, this is why stocks caught a bid towards the end of last week and never looked back. It's especially why. We saw big tech rallying so aggressively while everything else sort of trailed behind. Big tech, companies like NVIDIA, Apple, Amazon, Google, this is where the hedge funds and the fund managers like to hang out. And as a result, you can also move the market if you pile into these things aggressively enough. The top six companies in the S&P 500 account for something like 20% of its weighting. So if you can get those six companies to rally, the overall market's going to do pretty well. And that's what happened last week. Fund managers piled into the big tech companies because they're desperate to end the quarter with the best possible results. I was watching the market Friday afternoon, saw that spike come in around two, then three, and things never looked back. This was abject performance gaming, and honestly, it's pretty shameful the SEC allows it to happen, but these are the kinds of games you got to deal with if you're going to participate in the markets. So we need to see what's going to happen next week. 
was last week a kind of mini blow off top as everyone just wanted to end the quarter positively? Or are things actually doing so much better that somehow the banking crisis, inflation, the specter of a recession, and all these other things, not to mention war, are no longer a concern? My money would be on the former, that in fact this was just a performance gaming rally and that things should start rolling over and looking more negative in April, but we'll have to see. What matters is not necessarily what I think, but what the market thinks. And right now, the market thinks that the Fed is back to easing and that all of the big concerns are gone. We also need to assess the economic data in this country. Last week, GDP numbers came in, and they were kind of questionable to say the least. The official numbers claim that the economy grew by 2.6% last quarter. And just to clarify, when I say last quarter, I mean the fourth quarter of 2022, not the first quarter of 2023. Now, obviously, GDP growth of 2.6% would completely negate the argument for a recession, but things are a lot murkier beneath the headline number here. The change in private inventories contributed 1.47 of that, and government contributed another 0.65, while intellectual property accounted for another 0.33. Strip all that stuff out, which is questionable to say the least, and the economy actually didn't grow last quarter at all. Personal consumption, which is supposed to be the driving force for the economy, remember the consumer accounts for 75% of GDP, came in at growing 1%. And bear in mind, this is while inflation is around 6%. So what does this all mean? Well, what it means is that if we actually account for inflation, then the economy didn't grow less core at all. If inflation is 6% and GDP growth is 2.6%, then in real terms, the economy didn't grow, it actually shrank, and all the growth was just inflation. Now, this, of course, raises the question, well, if we're in a recession, how come the market isn't discounting it? Why aren't we seeing stocks actually react to this? Well, part of that is that bubble mentality I've been telling you about. Investors are not really concerned about the economy. There's a myth that somehow the economy and the stock market are closely aligned. And there are definitely times where the stock market cares about the economy in a great deal, but there's other times where the stock market could care less about the economy. And this is one of those. Whenever the Fed's really providing a lot of liquidity, that's going to drive stocks higher, regardless of what's going on economically. So until the Fed starts draining this liquidity and stops the money press, it's going to be a time in which the stock market just ignores what's going on in the economy. And that's quite common, in fact. As I've noted previously, 2008, we had the Bear Stearns marriage with JP Morgan. We had a summer rally, despite the fact that the economy was already in recession. Because remember, the recession that led to the great financial crisis actually began in November of 2007. But stocks still rallied nicely into the summer based on this relief that Bear Stearns had had its problems fixed and everyone believing that everything's fine because the Fed's going to be easing shortly and the deterioration in the economy didn't matter. Well, how'd that work out? And I'm concerned that we might see a similar situation here. Obviously, this is not 2008 all over again, but you can't look at the market and not be concerned that something bad's going on. The banks are currently sitting on something like $650 billion in unrealized losses on their bond portfolios. You've also got corporate earnings rolling over and declining for two quarters. And you've got the fact that the Fed, if it's serious about ending inflation, is going to have to get a lot more aggressive with monetary tightening. So there really isn't a positive here in the macro landscape. The only thing you can point to is that those who have a good amount of money, the top 30% of the economy, have excess savings and excess discretionary spending courtesy of the raise in rates. And so they're driving things to look better than they actually are. 
But the reality is underneath the hood, things are starting to deteriorate quite a bit. And it's going to be a real question of how bad things get. If the Fed has truly averted a banking crisis, it's going to need to start withdrawing liquidity if it wants to tame inflation. If the Fed decides it doesn't want to tame inflation anymore, well, then inflation is going to absolutely rage and the economy will implode. So while in the very short term, it seems as though things could go just fine, it seems to me that in the intermediate term, there's a lot of red flags that justify serious concern. This is why I don't have our clients piling into stocks right now. I just don't believe all this stuff. Sure, maybe the Fed can pull a rabbit out of a hat. Maybe these guys who were dead wrong on inflation for two years have suddenly figured everything out and they're going to manage to get the economy not to enter a recession despite the fact that rates have risen so much and despite the fact that we're seeing so much turmoil in the banking system. I don't know. But history would certainly argue that's not going to be the case. And indeed, there is some indication that inflation needs to be a real concern here. Gold caught a major bid when the Fed started printing money again, and as I say this, it's knocking at the door of $2,000 an ounce. This is gold effectively calling BS on what the Fed's done, telling us that inflation is starting to get out of control again. The other big concern is that oil's starting to show signs of life. If you've been listening to Bulls, Bears, and BS for a while, you know that one of the key points I've made is that the only data that's actually come down from inflation has been energy prices, and that much of that was due to the fact the Biden administration dumped 250 million barrels of oil in the last two years. That was a lot of downward pressure. Now, the media claimed that Biden was going out and buying oil again and that this was this genius move because they're going to actually make a lot of money on this trade. Turns out that was all fluff. The Department of Energy secretary has actually announced that they're not buying anything, even though oils tumbled from over $100 a barrel and hit as low as $66 a barrel in the last couple of weeks. But what's going on now is cause for concern because oil is again catching a bid and rising. As I say, this is up to $76 a barrel again. If oil prices start to go up again and clear $80, because that's a lot of resistance overhead from former peaks, then we're in serious trouble as far as inflation is concerned. Remember, the only data, aside from used cars, that shows that inflation's coming down has been in energy prices. So if energy inflation starts coming back again, then we're in serious trouble and the bond market's going to take notice. You can easily argue that a big reason, besides Fed liquidity, why investors have been buying stocks has been the fact that the banking crisis forced investors to panic buy treasuries based on safety, and that's forced bond yields lower. Now remember, when you buy a bond, or when bonds are in a bull market, their prices are rising, which means bond yields, which measure the debt payments that need to be made, are falling. And most of 2022 saw the stock market collapsing because bond yields were rising so much. This was essentially the risk-free rate of return going up, which meant that investors were less willing to pay for the growth of stocks, so the stock market was priced at a lower forward multiple. The reason why investors have been buying stocks lately, aside from Fed liquidity, is the fact that this banking crisis forced Treasury yields down. In fact, some Treasury yields saw their largest drop in two days since the 1987 crash, and that undid a lot of inflationary pressure on the stock market which allowed investors to be willing to pay more for stocks' growth. As I say this, the S&P 500 is priced at something like 18 times forward earnings. 
Now, that may make sense if yields are continuing to come down. But what if, in fact, inflation isn't dead and bond yields are going to have to start going up again? That once again raises the specter of stocks having to be repriced at a lower multiple, maybe 16 times forward earnings instead of 18 times forward earnings. And that would allocate the S&P 500 coming down to 3,500 again. So you see why I'm kind of noticing all these problems here. It's one thing if you get a stock market bottom that's based on despair, the Fed's not desperately panic plowing billions of dollars worth of liquidity into the system, and investors aren't foaming at the mouth anxious to not miss the turn. It's a completely other thing if you've got a banking crisis, which forces the Fed to open the floodgates, which forces treasury yields to implode, which combined with the abject bullishness of the bubble mentality resulted in investors panic buying stocks. Throw in the fact that fund managers were desperate to end the quarter with the best possible marks, and you've got a recipe for what's happened in the last three weeks in the markets. My main point with all of this is that what's happened since March 8th is a short-term development. The Fed likely is not going to be providing hundreds of billions of dollars in additional liquidity going forward. Similarly, bond yields are likely not going to stay down. If you want to get some sense of that, keep an eye on oil, because if oil starts rising again, yields will likely assume that inflation is back and they'll start getting higher again, which means stocks will be priced lower. So again, there's a lot to be watching right now. And it's actually, again, I'll say this, it's quite possible I'm just dead wrong. Maybe everything's just fine and the bottom's already in, or maybe everyone's been convinced that a few short-term developments that aren't going to continue are justifying buying stocks. I tend to think it's the latter, but again, we need to watch and wait. If gold and oil continue to rally higher, it means that inflationary pressures are going to start rising again, which means that the bond market will take notice, bond yields will start rising again, and this is not a stock market rally that we should trust. These are the things I'm keeping an eye on. As always, I wish all of you a great weekend. Stay safe out there. I'm Graham Summers. This is Bulls, Bears, and BS.